Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Picture Must Be Doing Something Right podcast. Um, I'm here with Jamie. Hello. And we're back on regular schedule, the normal type of episodes that you'd expect from the podcast after a, a quick break from from doing these kind of reviews so we could talk about the Oscars for a bit. Um, we're on more platforms now, which uh, should help find us easier. And we've been getting great support on the podcast recently in terms of numbers we've been getting, get some new audiences in, um, which it, which is great and and helps us out massively. The next aim is to get onto the want to get on the homepage on on Apple Podcasts or at least in the film and TV section, the film review section. I think will be nice. So if you want to help us out with that uh, and you're enjoying the podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're checking us out on there. But don't worry, it's not. Um, so today's film is. A relevant one, I think. It's something that a lot of been, people have been talking about recently because of its recent release in the UK on Friday and its uh, recent Best Picture win uh, at the Academy Awards last week. That is Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, uh, which Chloe Zhao wrote and directed. The film is based on a non-fiction book called Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century by Jessica Bruder. And the film stars Francis McDormand, David Strathairn, and a whole bunch of like uh, they're like first time actors, aren't they? Or or like well, they're not really actors. actors. They? They're um, no. they're people who are interviewed for the book. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the cast are actual people from the uh, book. So I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, what, what you'll see when you see the cast list is everyone's got their same name. Uh, with the characters they played, apart from Francis McDormand as Fern, who sort of had to like. It was sort of method. I was looking into this. Um, her performances was one where she, you know, lived in a van and she went went around the country and and went through the whole feeling of being a nomad. And they actually believed uh, a lot of the people that she talked to during the film actually believed she was uh, a real actress. There, there was a pivotal scene which I'll talk about in the spoiler section um, where that became apparent. Um, and uh, yeah, if you don't know what the film's about, the plot synopsis is a woman in her 60s who after losing everything in the great recession embarks upon a journey through the american west living as a van dwelling modern day nomad and what's interesting about this is um the idea of being a nomad i, I hadn't heard of before and i think it's quite foreign to be with this you haven't heard of a nomad before have you no. heard of like a historical nomad no, I hadn't. I, I, I guess the point of comparison in, in this country, but, but it's done in a, a lot, always portrayed in a less like attractive way and usually quite a, a demonised part of the community is the, is the travellers community. And, yeah, and yeah, I know it, yeah. That's the point of comparison here. So that's why it's strange to see a film like this, especially in the time we're in at the moment, um, uh, as an American film, um, portraying these kind of characters, especially and particularly in a way that I wouldn't have necessarily expected them to be portrayed, I guess. Well, the Chloe Zhao has this philosophy that's very comes through very clearly in the film. Clearly in the film, that there's like good in everyone. Like everyone is fundamentally like a a decent mm. person, and you can really see that. I mean, that's at the core of this film. It's in that genre of. Um, traveling around talking to people and learning the life stories yeah so you know you can really compare this to uh, <laughs> to to extremely loud and 
Um, uh, a completely nah. different class of film. Let's not take the mix. <laughs> but what I mean is, it's yeah. that genre. It's that, yeah, of course. Th- this is that genre done correctly, traveling around and talking yeah. to people. Well, well, the central theme of the of the film and sort of the tagline for it is it. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey and who you who you meet along the way. There's this there's this central tagline which is a uh, a specific point of reference during the film is this idea of oh, it's great timing. I completely forgotten what it was. Uh, oh, see you down the road. That's it. Yeah, it? yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Where that you you works. might meet someone at one point and then you'll see them at a later point and um and they can have a greater impact on your life that way. Because the uh, the guru, um, what's his name, Bob Wells, uh, actual yes. actual traveling guru in real life as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his f- philosophy. There is no final goodbye. There is just see you down the road. Because a lot of the times he actually does. Yeah. So that philosophy really does apply to his lifestyle. And uh, it's interesting this thing about it's based on a nonfiction book, and these are the real people. Yeah. Because they they have, it's not a dramatized version. Not exactly. It's very lightly dramatized. It's like a lot of what they talk about, I believe, is to, is based on real things that happened to them. Yeah. And um, and that's sort of like the emotional sense of the film, isn't it? Yeah, it's more. It really is. Just, it's a film about the people, and Francis McDormand is just our our window into this life. And it's mm. fascinating that she's one of the few. Uh, like proper veteran actors in the film. Another one is uh, David Strathairn. I think I'm saying his yep. name right. He's Strathern. been like he's been in Lincoln and the Bourne films. He's been in all sorts. And uh, yeah, uh, wasn't this... he? Um, I believe he's Oscar nominated for um, Good Night and Good Luck, which is a brilliant performance in a film that is very mediocre. But... <laughs> I was I was thinking it's interesting that he's also playing a character named after him, even though he yeah. is, of course. An actual actor, and I yeah, think I, I, like, I do little... want to talk about him and his uh, their their central relationship with Fern and uh, Dave, the character played by David Strathairn. Uh, but we can't yet. So I think I think the trick to it is that it's just these little things just to make the film more uh, authentic. Because I've seen a lot yep. of people in like in comments and the forums, they're all saying, "Oh, it's like a, a docudrama, mm, like it's like I a disagree. reenactment." I, I see where they're coming from, but I don't. It, you, I'm really painting the image for the people who haven't seen the film. Yeah, it's I, like I, it's very grounded, and there's nothing over the top or sensational that happens because that would be like yeah. disrespectful to these actual people's lives for if sure. you put in like a massive cinematic plot line. Uh, although we can, well, yeah, I, I guess say. we have a bit to talk about in the spoiler section. But yeah, that's just. Yeah. That's just my little uh, painting of like painting the image of what the film's trying to be. What I'd say is something that we talked about quite a lot on the show so far is this idea of narrative structure. And there's a scene like halfway through the film where, where you see Francis McDormand floating down a river. And I feel like that's a good summary for what the film is narrative wise. It's sort of like a flow down the river where it's sort of like, Things are happening, things are moving on, but it doesn't necessarily confirm to normal ways that we perceive cinema. Or yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, pivotal moments or life-changing things happening all the time. Because uh, realistically, what you're finding is this film taking place after all the action of Fern's life has taken oh, place. Oh, lost, yeah. Yeah, 
So you're told immediately that about how she's had to move out of her home. Um, the the city was evacuated that she lived in. She's lost her husband, so she's a widow, and you find her just living uh, out of a van. And basically, so all the drama of her life. If you were to make a biopic of of this character of Fern, you wouldn't show any of this. It's sort of like this is the what would normally be the end of the journey. So I think what the film is doing, it's exploring right what happens next in people's lives because it doesn't it doesn't just suddenly end when you know. It could easily be with when you're portraying a widow, someone just sitting in an empty house yeah. on their own, wasting away. This is this normal. is an antidote to that. We're saying we're we're following this woman's life. She's in her sixties. She's moving on, and she's not giving up on life. She's creating a new life for herself, which I think is a very positive way of looking at things and i think a very much an antidote to this perception in hollywood that people don't want to be watching films about women in their 60s oh absolutely because the the way that that kind of character is is codified in films is exactly as you described it just sitting lonely in a house maybe on, giving... the, on the end of the telephone while someone while someone else is doing something more exciting yeah like just giving advice to the main character that sort of non that sort yeah. of like narrative tool rather than actual character yeah, sort of like um molly shannon's character in prompting young woman to use an example yeah a very good example but that is something very fascinating but it's one of the very few things that's fascinating uh sorry <laughs> so one of the many things that's fascinating about this film that come together that it creates more of an experience than like a traditional yeah. cinematic film i will admit yeah uh Although it's one of the things you're not supposed to admit, uh, it was starting to lose me a bit towards the end. That's fair. It's not a long film by any like it's not boring, but I was like, oh, I kind of get what it, I've, I get what it's saying. I get that there's going to be no third act or no big finale, mm-hmm. so I feel like it could end the tape at any point. I yeah, think, I think that's I've, fair. we've seen enough. I've. I've seen like enough to get this character. Like I've 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 enjoyed the experience, but now it can like it could yeah. wrap it up at any time. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that's fair. But then on the other hand, what I think always turns me towards a specific film and why a film a specific film would stick with me is its ability to for you to sit in with it you spend time with the film rather than making you feel a specific way it's about spending time with a film like my favorite film of all time is Richard Linklater's Boyhood and I feel like there's a very similar kind of response that you have and that was a film at the time which I think that Nomadland has been facing in a similar extent where people say oh this film's boring I don't (laughs) get it nothing really happens but that's sort of it's sort of the point you're supposed to sit with it and you're supposed to be like absorb yourself into this world. You're believing in this world that you're seeing. And I feel like there's a good comparison between the two. Well, I feel like where boyhood ends, it ends at the point where, okay, we go off. You, you, leave him, you leave him to live his life at that point. Yeah. While, while this film is sort of like beginning at a new life beginning after someone's led, led a previous life in the past that we don't yeah. know about. Well, and, it's sort of like she's, she's, debating whether or not throughout the film to move on properly well she's not debating she's made up her mind that she's she's happy what she's doing 
But yeah. it seems that like every other character is like trying to push her into their ideal version of what the next chapter yeah, of her life that, should be. There's that scene at the beginning of the film where she's in the shop and there's that there's a uh, woman and a young girl that she used to tutor for. Um, and she's sort of like persistent about, oh, where are you living now? You can come and live with us at any time. You know, you, you're clearly in a bad place because it's this, this perception of homelessness is is the thing where people don't really have an understanding of what people perceive as home. Um, you know, Francis McDonald, sorry, Fern doesn't, uh, Fern is Francis McDonald's character. Uh, she doesn't perceive herself as homeless in the film she feels like i've houseless. got i've got yeah ha- just houseless i'm living in a van you know i go around i do the go and make my way between jobs all the time and that being said chloe Zhao doesn't yeah. want to give the hollywood impression that this is somewhat of a glamorous or noble lifestyle no it is portrayed as being very difficult yeah but there is this um there's a certain atmosphere to it. There's the idea that these these characters are just happy to get on with their life. They're not saying this is a glamorous way of living, but it's what either they don't have a choice or they don't like the choices they do have, or they have chosen to live like this. They've chosen to, to go on the road and see the world before being yeah. able to be cooped up in a hospital or a retirement home or whatever. This is Yeah, that's the thing, yeah. So it's not that it's glamorous, it's just that everyone else's perception of what she's doing they just don't understand they think she's just maybe she's refusing to move on but that's all that they can focus on mm-hmm. all the people in her life are only focused on oh you haven't moved on yet you you, you stayed in um what's the town called oh, i can't remember i can but check for you though you stay you say you stayed in the town that's um uh, got empire, closed. Nevada. empire that's it you stayed in that town that got closed down uh, now you're just living out on the road. You, you're not moving on. But from her perspective, Fern, she's just happy to like. She's just getting on with it. Yeah. She's living. She's going from job to job. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure she'd prefer to have like an actual like full time permanent job. Mm. But she is con. That the word is like content. Yeah, and I feel like that comes a lot down to Francis McDonald's performance, which is a very subtle one. But you can see that she's in like a good place with how Jack's like there's no like big scene or you know, massive crying scenes and stuff like that. And doesn't go over the top about things. It's all controlled. And that's it's it's a performance that is absolutely unbelievably good. Like, yeah, incredible. So it's a very like um yeah, controlled just controlled, yeah. And that, that's that takes greater skill to me than than you know your big bombastic loud performances. Absolutely. It's about how much control you have over the scenes you're in, and she's in every scene as well. So you know she has to be controlling, and that's partly to do with how Chloe Zhao directs her as well. Like the direction in this film is absolutely incredible. Like, and and it helps so much to have this general aesthetic that they have. Like the cinematography is so beautiful. There's a clear color palette to it. There's loads of brilliant shots of, of backgrounds and, and sunsets and things like that. It's, it's very atmospheric and that's what sells this sort of idea because you've got you've to have something to make it as beautiful a film as it does and it does it through its um, production style, even on a limited budget of only $5 million. 
despite being set only eight years ago, it does sort of feel like a, a period piece. Like yeah, it is, it is capturing a moment just after the recession, or even during. Sorry, mm. it's, it's, capt- it's capturing the fallout of the recession that we're still suffering the effects from today. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, and there's a lot about this film that's relevant to, to today. But I definitely get the, like the feeling of a snapshot when I was watching the film. And just in the technology as well, you can see that phones are only just starting to get as high tech as as they would be throughout the twenty tens. There, you know, and as commonplace mm. because um, uh, Dave he still has like a flip phone. Yeah, just little details like that which kind of grounds it. And then uh, they were taking like they had like a look inside a really modern, high tech, fancy RV. Yeah, which nowadays would probably be a little bit cheaper i mean i don't want to you yeah. never know actually it might have got more expensive i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't know much about the um <laughs> the, the rv scene but it's just little things like that which kind of like but it, it does it without dating the film and i think it's still yeah. going to be relevant for years to come i definitely think it's relevant for the year we've just had in terms of the way that we spend time with others how important community is um and also the idea of 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 home you know a lot of people have spent the last year, well, pretty much everyone has spent the last year unable to go anywhere, just stuck at home all the time. And I feel like this film presents a sense of wanderlust where you can be, you know, on your own and okay. You can meet people along the way as you pass through life. And, you know, it's not too late. It's never too late to sort of start living a different life if you want to. You think that's the message he's trying to get across? I think so, yeah. When there's life, there's hope sort of idea, isn't it? What do you think the the intention of the original book was? You think it was purely just journalistic? Uh, It was uh, Jessica Bruder, a journalist who wrote it. Do you think that had a much more neutral approach? Um, No idea. I haven't read the book. Can't comment. (laughs) There are things in this film that I was surprised that Amazon had a very neutral portrayal. Yeah, uh, they were just one of the temp companies that she happened to be working for. With all the recent news about it, when I first saw the big Amazon sign, I was like, "Oh, here we go." Yeah, you think <laughs> potential product placement here, aren't you? No, no, I was thinking uh, opposite. I was thinking oh, really? negative. I was thinking they were gonna, she was gonna just have a really horrible time there. Yeah, and it was gonna be related to the news that we we've been hearing over the past year, couple of years, whatever. But it yeah. turned out to just be um, one of the stopping points in a journey. Very neutral portrayal of like real, real life companies and technology. Yeah, of, of like zero hour contracts and stuff, and yeah, temporary exactly. work and things like that. I think it does have something important to say about those things. Um, that they are a lot of these jobs are done by people that are, you know, um, not in it for the full time work. They're just doing it to get by, sort of thing. I really like that. Really struck a chord with me. I mean, I was I was talking. I work in retail, and I was talking to someone recently who's just been going from temp job to temp job, and a lot of that it was in uh, factories, mm. and they were telling me how he really doesn't really didn't like factories, and that made him want him to jump to retail, even if it is all temp stuff at the moment. Yeah. So stuff like that, even though the American work culture is different, I think it really that does travel across the seas. Yeah, like the job centre scene in, in uh, towards the end of the film is sort of like 
business. I just want to work. Sort of yeah, and, and I'm the happy person's to do like, even though she has all that experience, the, uh, the person helping her is just like, oh, just, we don't have anything for you. Or she says something like, I just don't know what job I'd be able to get you. Yeah. And it's just baffling. Like, what? Her CV mm. must be absolutely packed at this point. Yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous, but not is completely believable because <laughs> that does happen every single day to people. Um, shall we move on from the narrative side of things? We'll talk more about it uh, in the spoilers section for those who have already seen the film. Um, I do recommend uh, watching the film before checking the spoilers out um, because it's definitely worth worth watching going in. It's all blind. I think I, I watched this film without watching the trailer first. Um, which was hard because it took me ages to to be able to watch the film. But um, I'm glad that I did. It's good to go in blind with this. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about it's the awards performance because uh, I didn't would, really... my recommendation yeah. would be uh, if you can see it in cinemas. Oh yeah, yeah. I know so, that's yeah, an option definitely. soon. Yeah, Absolutely. it's out in cinemas, 17th of May. It's... I bet this looks really, really good yeah. on the big screen. I was thinking that with some of the awards concerns I've seen this year, like the two that stand out for me for once, I think you should definitely see on the big screen are Nomadland and Minari. Minari is another one. Where Joshua James Richards did a fantastic job. Absolutely. He was robbed of the Oscar by, uh, by Mank. <laughs> uh, uh, I, knew, I, I knew it would happen. I knew it would happen. I yeah, should have tried to it, convince you more. You did, to be fair. Like I saw a lot of people talking before the Oscars about how you'd rank the cinematography winners from the last 10 years or whatever i'm seeing people put stuff like life of pi and the revenant down at the bottom um this was a thought the assumption that no one would win like man goes straight down at the bottom there <laughs> <laughs> films like that as, as near the bottom nah nah you've got to have uh, man right down the bottom very um, gimmicky yeah definitely but but yeah apart from that it's awards performance was absolutely exceptional. It won Best Picture, won Best Director, and Best Actress at the Academy Awards. Three of the big five. Um, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now, and it's just a lot of one, one, just one. Just the board. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one of the most remarkable awards campaigns I've ever seen. Like, yeah, it's fair so play. impressive. In in terms of, if you, especially if you consider that this is the longest award season there's ever been, and to keep that momentum up front runner for about six months nothing really came close at any point everyone was predicting it by the end um it swept away with his competition as soon as it won as soon as it won something it just couldn't stop winning and it's one of those films like i saw it as but well before it won i saw it before it won best picture but while it was still the front runner so you do get this idea of is this film going to be the best film of the year and you always have that every time you go into a war season you always know what the front runner is going into a film so it's very hard to live up to those kind of expectations of am i watching the very best film of the year all the time but this is one where you, you put your hands up so okay fair enough it's one of those it's not my personal favorite of of the of the nominees from this year but what's it's one your, of those ones uh, where like yeah that's fair what's that's your fair. personal favorite uh Tom single woman Oh yeah, and the reason I prefer that is just because of literally just the narrative structure. I think it does really inventive things with the um, with the narrative and makes it way more entertaining than a film like this. Um, though obviously, I feel like this this is definitely the best directed film of the year by a mile. Um, I'd also put The Father above Nomadland as well, uh, again for the similar reasons where it did stuff with the narrative that I'd genuinely never seen before and blew my socks off with it. But this film, it's not going to be a film that's going to blow your socks off. I don't think that that's the problem. No. But it's one where you see, like, this is very, very impressively made. 
I I um speaking of, I, I did keep waiting for the penny to drop and for like something like dramatic or cinematic to happen. Yeah. And that that tension does keep you going for a lot of the film. Yeah. But eventually you just sort of learn to go along with it. Yep. Uh we're still in non spoilers, so if there's uh anyone yeah. still still listening, I hope that's not a spoiler to say that that doesn't happen. I guess it sort of is, but I don't think it would ruin the experience. Yeah, we'll get onto that in a sec. Um, while I go on to, um, while we're still talking about award stuff, I just want to say about uh, this film was notable for being just the second film ever um, directed by a woman to win Best Picture. And her I think it's good right? to see, uh, her luck was the first one, yeah. Right. This, this first um, from a woman of colour which is very important in terms of representation. And what I want to say with this, like I was talking about it um, on the show I did last week, react to the Oscars. And it's sort of like, when you talk about representation, especially in terms of awards, it isn't necessarily about giving awards to people that are of ethnic minorities or, or I'll give him that trophy because he's a certain race or whatever. It's about um, equal opportunity more than anything else. I want to, live in a world where any film can win best picture i don't i didn't like it back in the day where you felt like this film couldn't win best picture because um of its portrayal of a certain race or because it portrays um lgbtq uh narratives or this film's in a foreign language so it can't win i feel like after green book won best picture there was this feeling where um, the way that we perceive Best Picture winners was going to change because it beat Roma as well. And thinking, oh, Roma didn't win because it, it has subtitles in its foreign language. I think it was one of those ones where it was like, um, I guess you could say it was one where something like a bad thing has to happen in terms of it not happening again. And this was also the case when the Oscars So White thing happened, where we didn't have any um, actors of colour nominated in any of the main categories. And um, even though there were performances from like of Chadwick Boseman or Idris Elba that should have been nominated over those years. Um, but, but the reaction to that was the following year um, after that, after the second year of Oscars So White, uh, Moonlight won Best Picture, Barry Jenkins won Best Writing. Mahesh Ali become the, became the first Muslim to win an acting Oscar. And I think with this, in terms of the last two winners of Best Picture being Parasite and now Nomadland, it sort of really opened the door for the way that Best Picture winners can happen. In terms of, you've, we've had now a film fully in Korean win Best Picture, and now a film directed by a woman of colour portraying a... I think it's very rare, actually. I think for felt in recent years, where it's been filmed with a female lead winning Best Picture as well. The Shape of Water was the only notable example in the last fifteen years of that happening. Twenty eighteen, yeah. Oh, yeah. twenty seventeen. Came out in twenty seventeen was twenty eighteen. Uh, the ceremony this, for twenty seventeen. Yeah, we've had this debate before. <laughs> don't just, don't just trying to clear it up. Yeah. yeah. The ceremony for 2017. Because before that, you have to go back to Million Dollar Baby in 2004. Oh, wow. I know, exactly. The rest have just been all male leads. So it, is, it does mark a, a good change then. It's going yeah. in the right direction. It's a film that I was always happy that was going to win Best Picture. 
because of um i feel like it's a really important win and it's also one of those ones where i talk where people if people ask me about why i'm why i fly the flag for the oscars and stuff why i think they're so important it's because of films like this have you seen songs my brothers taught me or the rider that's that's a question i want to ask you no no the other closure films no exactly this is my point you didn't see those films because they weren't awards contenders. They weren't talked about past their release date. A film like this is being seen widely and was brought by Disney Plus to to have, be streaming in this country because there's an audience for it that's come from the fact that it's had awards attention. So I feel like that is so important. Um, awards fly the flag for different types of films, the best films of the year, films that you wouldn't normally watch, but like it's massively important. So uh, that's what I'd say on that matter. Um, I think we'll leave it there for the normal review before, and we'll go and talk about spoilers now. If you have not seen the film, please do go and watch it. You can watch it now on Disney Plus Star. Um, and um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you if you if you've listened to this point, um, you can find us on. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the places you find podcasts, also on YouTube as well. Find us on Twitter at Best Picture underscore pod. And um we'll hope to see you for another episode sometime soon. But if you have seen the film and you want to hear our discussion on spoilers, we're gonna talk about it right now. You know, okay. it's it's yeah. it's fascinating. This trying to pick apart mentally, thinking back on the film, what's fiction and what's not. Some of it is a lot easier than others because I think of like Swanky yes. and Swanky was given uh, six months to live when the cancer spread to her brain. Mm. Uh, but And then by the end of the film, she's passed away. Yeah. But of course, the actress, the actual Swanky, a real person who was interviewed and starred in the film, is alive, I believe. Yeah. So that it creates well, this... I, but to be fair, I just read this film as a narrative film, I didn't really consider it to be non fiction at any point. But then you get to like Bob Wells, and was his story about his son? Bob Wells is a real guru who does yeah, travel around, was his exactly stuff like that that kind of blurs the line? Yeah, and it's like I know what you mean when you said, Oh, no, it's not a docudrama uh, because it is, it is a fictional story, but that's yeah. like. That's not what I meant when I think he's trying to set the tone in the same way a docudrama or trying to represent what it's like. It's very grounded. It's very through the perspective yeah. of someone actually living uh, out there. It does really feel like if if you were to say at the end, this is based on a true story, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like something like The Conjuring, yeah. based on a true stuff like that. You could see how this absolutely could be applied to real people. But do you think it's a, a, a bad idea to kind of mix fiction and fact like that, giving um, someone a tragic backstory that they didn't have sort when, of. They're a real, when they're a real person? The scene that I was alluding to earlier in the episode is the one right near the end where she's talking to, I think I think she's talking to Bob Wells, yeah, um, and he's explaining about this. And this is really the first time she opens, uh, Fern opens up about the loss of her husband as well at the same time. And what I found out was that Bob thought that um, Francis McDonald's actually gone through that. Um, 
she didn't know that he didn't know that she was an actress. Or oh, this is something that's actually happening and I feel so oh, I feel really sorry for you about your loss of your husband and stuff like that. Oh no, my husband's still alive. My husband's Joel Cohen. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so it's sort of like to that extent where it's like um You think it's a bit manipulative. It could be perceived as such, but then again you get more effective drama from that. So um, I mean, is that should that be the end goal? Though? I mean, just that's a thing. Like, there are people who say no matter what, the the ends of art justifies the means, the means. But I would disagree. <laughs> yeah, because but you don't a... have to. You don't have to attribute that yeah. that massive value to all art. Like it's yeah. all relative. Like you don't have to say you can do whatever you want as long as the art pays off. As you can, like suffering can lead mm. to art. Stuff like that. I mean, it's just ridiculous because yeah. no, it doesn't have to. You can. There are different ways of doing it. There are there are more controlled ways of like getting that emotion, like putting that story to screen. But that scene so, is so effective in terms of. I don't think that's something that's talked about enough. Its portrayal of grief is very impressive, and there's been a few films this year that have have dealt with that in different ways. Um, I feel like it's a very timely kind of. Um, thing to have and it's important for people to hear especially because it relates to um, to suicide as well um, I feel like that's an important thing to have represented in a film like this um, another point I was going to talk to you about which was um, that we had to sort of skirt over earlier was the portrayal of the relationship between Fern and Dave I think there's no decision that's pleased me most pleased me more in a film than Fern's decision to not live that life with Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's on, re- so. He had some really sort of creepy vibes about that family. And you can tell <laughs> that it just wasn't for her. I really like the scene where where she's staying in the guest house sort of thing and, and she goes uh, in the middle of the night over to sleep in her van instead. I feel like that's a really good scene because I feel like it's in a way representative of um, what you prioritize in life, isn't it? It's about having an identity, how, how important home is to you, and and you can't suddenly just give that up, give it all away. It's sort of like the thing it reminded me of was um, there's a film uh, a couple of years ago, uh, which is absolutely brilliant. I recommend anyone checking out Lynn Shelton's film Outside In, which looks at um, a character returning home after spending seven years in prison, and. And that film is about adapting to life back as yeah, as you were sort of thing. And um, how strange it is to be in that sort of different environment. And I feel like that's what it does in the same way here is this portrayal of how can you go back to living a so-called normal life, you know, in a family, uh, together with a family in a, in a house, in, in a so-called safe place. Well, sometimes you have, you can't really go back. The whole point is, is you can't really go back and start over. And that's also true in terms of why the relationship didn't work out. You know, I don't think the uh, the Dave character is a bad guy, or they would no. be a bad match together. But it's sort of like a case where, after going through, um, through the death of of a of a partner. It's very difficult to recover from that, and it's also sometimes like you don't have to always have, you know, a man with you all the time. Sort of thing yeah, that would be to... the very typical Hollywood Hollywood representation of that relationship. And I know what you yeah. mean when you say 
the family's kind of creepy. Mm. Uh, it's like they're not the film doesn't portray them as bad people. No, it's I don't just trying to make it clear that she doesn't fit in there. Yeah, and like a, whole, a typical structured structured script will try and force her into being like happy there. Yeah, and I think it's a very very bold choice, as you say, and the correct choice just to be like, well, no. She just doesn't fit there, so she's not going to force herself I mean, to stay there. She's just going to like get on with what she were doing. I mean, for the film itself, it's the. I feel like the central theme of it is the sense of belonging, the sense of community, and you get that more of an impression in terms of Fern, in terms of her, the way that she feels belonging to the nomad community more than anyone else. I think it's interesting that. Um, they decided to have a character who is the main character who has so many options to get out of that situation yeah. where most people living like that probably don't. Mm. I mean, they might have family back home that they don't talk to, but for the most part, they, they're on the road because they have to be. So we have yeah. this character who is giving three, I think, chances, three offers to go and live with people. Yeah. And she she turns it down each time because it's just not what. Yeah, she sometimes uses them for money, but that's about it. I mean, the first one, I think the first one was the the tutor job. The second yeah. one was a sister, and the third one was Dave and his family. Mm. It's interesting that Dave is now out of that lifestyle. Yeah, uh, so, so yeah, that's seen... the thing. It was it was sort of like you get that sort of um, interpretation that it was a bit of a backstab towards the ideals they had uh, as a as like he's not really a member of the community at all if you feel like if you're so quick to give it off like that sort of thing i mean i don't think the film's trying to encourage people to live like that if they don't have to i think it's just saying that dave to us when we first met him he seems so comfortable and he knows what he's doing he's got the whole setup like he must be someone who's who's going to be out here for the rest of his life uh, because yeah. and then you find out it's not like an actual betrayal. It's more of like a, it's more of like a twist that mm. you wonder if he's going to be like arguing with his son or if they fell out massively. Yeah. But it turns out he's just like he's scared to go back to that life because he doesn't know if he can do it. <laughs> yeah, and like uh, Fern is quite rightly just like that's uh, forget all of that, just go and do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because like you don't you don't have any actual reason to be out here anymore. And it's mm. kind of a slap in the face to everyone you're not else. A, you're not running away from anything. You're just running away. You're just not. You're running away from your future rather than running away from your past. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a brilliant way of putting it. Avoiding that responsibility. And then she's just. I think. I think it is like. Honestly, it would be more of a betrayal for him to stay. Yeah. And like try and integrate himself with these people who have very little choice but to be out there. Yeah, if he's just very vulnerable people, people that are dealing with very difficult things, you know, we've seen with Swanky, you know, incredibly bad illnesses and and mental health issues and stuff like that. Well, if you don't have to live it like that, and then... do you think it's like somewhat somewhat like a hero complex for him to be like, oh, well, you don't have to live out here anymore because I've we've we've got a guest house for you. And look, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna rescue you from this yeah. lifestyle. You know, it's in that very Hollywood sense. Yeah. But, it's, but like it's just not that kind of film. It's not the kind of film, yeah. yeah I think that's, that's exactly, very fascinating. Yeah. I, I that's really, the point, yeah. 
So, Slav, what, what do you think's next for Fern's character? Do you think she's ever maybe going to go live back with her sister, or do you think she's going to be out there rest of the rest of her life? Like, where do you think it's a very open end? Yeah. Where do you think? Where do you think we're supposed to believe that the Fern character goes next? I think you just you just see her down the road, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I know it's cliche, but it's sort of like that. I think that's all sort of the point, isn't it? That's yeah, it was. I think it, we were introduced to that towards the end of the film. I think we heard the expression before, but it is just at the end of the film when uh, Robert, uh, when Bob Wells is explaining that philosophy. Yeah. I think that is a way of kind of setting the audience uh, on its way uh, after the film ends. Because I was, I was back into it at that point. Yeah, it was around. It was around the time of like Dave and his family yeah. and stuff that I was starting to like switch off a bit. Yeah, because it's a completely different for portrayal of of this sort of life that you're doing. It. This is what I was coming back to with this idea of sitting in with the film. You've got to be living. You've got to be on the move all the time in order to stick with it. Yeah, sort of thing. And that, I feel like that's the case a lot with road movies itself as a genre. You've got to keep keep on moving on, sort of thing, in order to to go from one thing to the next and once you sort of like you fit you hit a stop point where you're sort of like okay we're not on the move anymore there's no shots of the sunset there's no there's no sort of like beautiful scenes where she's in in rivers and and looking at mountain ranges and stuff like that you're you're sort of like you're back where you are in sort of like a normal film or to a certain extent where you're with like a family and you're in the house and everything like that and you're sort of like oh hold up this is a different <laughs> film that film that i was this is a different world to the one that i was living in and yeah. that's why it's important that she gets back out there so you feel like you're back connected to that world that is presented in the film yeah I don't. I mean, do you agree with what the the sister said that you, you just like? Your part of it is you just wanting to go and meet all these people, and you're more fascinated by them. Um, because I thought the sister was kind of missing the point, but yeah, I, I don't think that's completely... true at all. It's um, more of a. Uh, it's more felt like, more like she was saying that to the audience. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're just. Well, it's, it's devil's advocate, isn't it? Yeah. That when you're writing a script, it's always about including a sort of conflict and yeah. when you don't have like an actual villain or or anything getting in the way of of stuff you need to sort of have a devil's advocate voice in response to how different people perceive that central character yeah definitely um any any other... thoughts? i was going to ask you if there's any like plot points we we missed out on um not really i think what it just does a great job of doing is portraying this kind of lifestyle and and um community and uh location stuff like that it does it in a in a brilliant way and a very unique way and i feel like it's a very important film for a lot of people to watch uses a uses a lot of like repeating imagery to ground the characters like rocks come up quite a lot yeah like there's a um, no like the little ones that the characters make. Piano comes up a few times. Yeah, I didn't know what that was about. Uh, we no. keep seeing. I think that was just a way of like. I don't know if it's something we never actually learn if Fern can play piano, but she watches people play a couple of times. Yeah, I don't know if there's something to that about 
as I was watching, I was I was thinking, am I just overanalyzing this? Because is, <laughs> is there something to, to to that about not being able to express what she's actually thinking? I don't know. But my final thoughts of the film are uh, very well deserved win. Yeah, definitely. I thought that I thought the same way. Even before it won, it's sort of like it's one of those ones where you put your hands up and say, "Yeah, that's a really good representative of the year." Um, and I'm glad that it won, and I hope as many people will check it out as possible. Uh, and now it's available uh, on streaming in this country. You should be able to know. Uh, well, you should have already seen it by now if you listen to this part of the, part of the podcast. And yeah, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll be back with some more um, sometime again soon. As as you know, available on all the podcast streaming stations. Make sure to follow us on there so you don't miss an episode in the future. You can leave a review on Apple Podcast if you listen on there. It'd help me out massively. Subscribe on YouTube, follow on Twitter, bestpitch underscore pod, and we'll see you for another episode sometime again soon. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.